in Him. Praise the Lord. And then secondly, I want you to think about that. We are to be walking with God in such a way that we are daily aware of His presence in our life. This is to be our goal. That is to actually know Him. Not just to know about Him, not just to talk about Him, not to just have great theological debates and discussions about Him, but we are to know our God. You know, in Genesis chapter 5, you're there in chapter 28, turn over to chapter 5 and you can read the account. I love this account. I I preach on it uh, on a different way, in a different manner when I speak about Enoch in that But in this area, Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 through 24, and it says this, Enoch lived 65 years, and he begot or gave birth to Methuselah. He had a son named Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, I like verse 22, Enoch walked with God. I want you to get that. Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And so Enoch is the first man taken by God out of this world to lie. People say, well, there's no such thing in rapture. There's no scriptural precedent, precedence for God taking people uh, from here alive to heaven to be in his presence. The Bible says Enoch walked with God, and the relationship was so close that God just took him. And one day, he, he just was no longer here. The Lord just took him to heaven. He didn't put sickness and disease and cause him to die. He didn't do anything like that. He just said, son, I, I, one old... One old Pentecostal preacher said it like this, and if you've been to church, you've heard me say it before when I talk about Enoch, that God and Enoch went out, Enoch went out on a walk one day, and at the end of the day, the Lord just looked at Enoch and said, hey, Enoch, we're closer to my house when, than we are to yours. Why don't you come home with me? So <laughs> That's awesome. So wouldn't it be great that we could just walk with God, and, and then the next thing you know, we just find ourselves in his presence, that we would know him so well and have that relationship with him so well. And that's the challenge that we are in today. We are either going to be lost in the crowd or else we're going to walk as one alone with God in our personal relationship with him. Not isolated from the body of Christ or those things, but but in our choice, in our relationship with God. I'm not going to be influenced by this world. I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I'm not going to have the mindset of the crowd. I'm going to have the heart of God. I'm going to have the mind of God. And I'm going to have a relationship with God and walk with God in a deep, intimate, personal knowledge of who he is as my Lord, as my Savior, and as my Heavenly Father. That's God's will for every one of our lives. Hallelujah. So think about this. I believe it's time to walk with God in the fullness of his presence. It's time to know him and to make him known. Think about that. God wants to be known through our lives and be made known through our lives more than just our word. We need to know him and make him known by ways other than just through our word. It's time for us to hunger for truth and to live for it with all we have. So in this day and age, you know, we're we're, we're actually wondering, what is truth today? You know, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? But around this, what can we believe? What is true? What are the actual facts? And so we need to hunger to know the truth, not just about the worldly events that we are in, but the truth and the reality of who God really is and the relationship that we can have with him. We can no longer afford to let others define our lives by their experience. 
and the limits of their awareness and understanding. It's time for the reality of Jacob in every one of our lives and the walk of Enoch. The reality of the presence of God is with us and that we can walk with him in personal fellowship and relationship daily. Praise the Lord. See, we can't afford to get lost in the crowd, church. Listen to me tonight. Don't get lost in the crowd. Don't get caught up in all that. Keep yourself isolated with the Lord. When you read through your Bible, you see times when people are identified as multitudes, crowds, congregations, even a nation. But then there's something that happens in their definition that changes to smaller denominations. In the New Testament, they go from the multitudes to the 70, to the 12, to the 3, to the one. And I want to walk you through that tonight about that transition and where we can choose to be. See, each time the number is reduced, there's a change in the level of relationship and responsibility with God. See, we can be in the crowd and it's just kind of all cool, but then if you get down into the 70, and then if you get down into 12, if you get down into 3, man, everything about that begins to change. And then if you get down just one-to-one, one, something amazing begins to happen in that play. You see, there comes a time in our lives when we must desire to break out of the crowd and press into the fullness of the depth of what God has for our lives. See, it's easy to get lost in the crowd. It's just easy. In fact, I know people who like to go to really large churches because they can just go in, go out, and, and, and never be identified. And, and they can just get lost in the crowd. They can worship God, but they like being lost in the crowd. Come on, but there's more to worshiping God and, and, and loving God than that. Or it's easy to camp on the promotion or the experience of the 70. Hey, I was in the crowd, and then I was called out. Now I'm one of the 70. Woo-hoo! And God's entrusted me with some responsibility, a little bit of power, man. Glory to God. See, we can camp on the promotion of that experience. Or feel special as one of the chosen 12. You know, I came out of the multitude, entered in the 70, and you know what, God, the Lord called me, and I'm one of a, it's just getting in this select group, man, I'm part of the 12, that, that special select group, but what about, oh, what happened, or even to think that I have arrived, because I'm now one of the three. I'm one of the three. I must be special in, in that area. But it's not about that position or that promotion or, or that place or being able to camp on anything. It's pressing in to the one-on-one -on -one with God. Think about this this evening. All along, God has been calling us into a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him. What is God doing in your life? Why is He working in your life? Why is the Holy Spirit sent? What is God trying to say to you, my friend? God is trying to call you and I into a one-on-one relationship. -on -one relationship with him the awesome thing about pursuing God with our lives is that when you find yourself in that one-on-one -on -one relationship you come to realize that once again you're not just one but you're part of a multitude of those who have gone before you that great cloud of witnesses that Paul tells us about in Hebrews 12 that looking to, to those who have run before us a great we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have moved from the multitude the 70 the 12 the 3 into a one-on-one one relationship with God, that you're part of the multitude of ones. Hallelujah. See, Jacob was just one of a multitude of ones who became aware of the universal presence of God in his life. He was one of a multitude to whom God revealed himself. 
Enoch was just one of a multitude of ones who have known what it was like to walk with God in one-on-one relationship, pleasing Him with their life. But he is but one of a multitude. You know, the, 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 the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 5 that, that Enoch walked with God and the Lord took him. But he had this testimony that he pleased God. He pleased God. You know, I just want to, it, it doesn't matter so much. We could accomplish all kinds of things and do all kinds of things. But did my life and my relationship with my Heavenly Father, was it pleasing to Him? And if we walk with Him, we're pleasing with Him. If we're aware of His presence and live for God, it is so awesome. And that's what God is calling us into. That should be our desire for every one of us. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He's pulling you in to a one-on-one relationship with your Heavenly Father. See, sometimes we fear the isolation of one because we think it means we will have to live our lives alone or walk alone. That's not the case. The reality is we actually move from being just one lost in a crowd to now identified and being called out from the crowd. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19. And we know the story here that Elisha has just slain the prophets of Baal. And then he runs away from Jezebel and he's hiding in the cave. And uh, I I love it on Torn Wells' album. He has a song that he does. And at the end of the song, I think Stephen Furtick that says, he goes, he says, when he came out and and, uh, the the Lord spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. and and, And he was praying. He said, God, why did you whisper to Elijah? Why did you... Come to him in a still, small voice. Why did you whisper to him? And he said, the Lord spoke back to him and said, because I was close. That is so good. Think about that. God wants you to be so close to him and be aware of his presence in your walk and your relationship with him that you could hear his whisper in your life. He doesn't have to shout. He doesn't have to do demonstrative things to get your attention. He can just whisper and you hear his voice. Hallelujah. So watch this. But though in King, uh, first King, look at verses 15 through 18 and watch these with me. Then the Lord said to him, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. You shall also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall appoint as a prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hosea, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So what's happening here? God, these guys are not lost in the crowd. They're, They're being called out and identified from the crowd. And that's what God wants to do in your life, in my life. And I believe that's the awakening that's taking place. That people are saying, hey, you know what? I'm tired with just commonplace Christianity and just complacency and not having a story, not having any fire in my walk, in my relationship with God. I don't just want to be one in the crowd. I want to be one who's being called out and identified from the crowd for the glory of God. Amen. Think about where we are today. Our world right now is trying to get everyone to accept their identity in in the crowd, not to be called out from it. 
I want everybody to accept the new normal and all the changes and all this stuff. Just accept, just go with the flow of the crowd. I don't want to go with the flow of the crowd. Used to be an old Christian t-shirt that said this. It says, any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim upstream. And so when I walk with God, I just don't want to be going with the flow. I, I want to be in, pressing into the presence of God. I want to say, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do? You know, God can use you right now today in this situation. It doesn't have to be. We, we, get so, we restrict God because we can't do what we've always done. We don't think we can do anything. God could do something dynamic, something explosive, something powerful through your life if you just press in and be aware of his presence there and that you can walk with him and have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. He can show you the great thing that he would do through your life hallelujah praise the lord i hope you're having as much fun as i am i just had to preach tonight praise the lord and so i hope you're getting there so let me walk you through this i just want to give you this as i get ready to close tonight so think about this i'm going to walk you through these four areas here and i want to talk to you about the multitude first of all what is the characteristics of the multitudes and what happened if you have your bibles go with me to psalms chapter 136 so I'm not going to read it all, but this is a great psalm. And uh, I could have read Psalm 78, but I didn't want to read all uh, 60 verses of that with you here tonight that cover this. But in Psalms 36, I just want to walk you through the highlights of this and uh, have you grab it. Psalms 36, and uh, we're just going to, uh, or excuse me, 136, my bad. I read my own notes. I'm using my bifocals, and I'm getting adjusted to them. Praise the Lord. Psalms 136. Watch this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. To him alone who does great, to him who alone does great wonder. To him by wisdom, to, who, to him by, who, by wisdom made the heaven. And I'm just going to read the highlights over here instead of every first mercy endures forever. Verse 6, to him who laid out the earth above the water. Verse 7, to him who made great lights for his mercy endure. To the, the sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn and brought out Israel from among them. Verse 12, with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel passed through in the midst, but, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. Verse 16, to him who led his people through the wilderness, to him who struck down great king and slew famous king, Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Basham, and gave their land as a heritage. A heritage to Israel, his servant, who remembered us in our lowly state and rescued us from our enemies, who gives food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks to the good, to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. And so there's a declaration. The multitudes get to partake of that. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says that the multitudes were following him. And Jesus sat down on the Mount of Olives and he began to teach the multitudes. 
He taught them all. In Matthew 14, the multitudes were following him. And here Jesus then begins to look out upon the multitudes. And what does he do? He has compassion on them because they've been with him and it is late. So, so he multiplies the food and he feeds them. So the multitudes get to experience the power. Here the, the multitudes partake of the goodness of God. The multitudes get to see his power and are delivered to his promise, but know him not. See, in Luke chapter 9, verses 18 and 20, Jesus asked a question of his disciples, also in Matthew 16. He says, who do the people, who do the crowd, who do the multitude say I am? Who do the people who have experienced my goodness, who have entered into my promise, who have partaken in my provision, who do they say I am? And they say, well, he's this, he's that. They have all their opinion, but none of them know him. And that's what they tell Jesus. They say, some say you are Elias. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're this or you're that. And then Jesus says, but who do you say I am? And that's when Peter spoke up, and you know it. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And listen, Jesus' response is so important. You and I need to hear, this is what God wants to do. He says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, if I don't desire that, to have that reality of Jacob, to be aware of his universal presence, if I'm not hungry for the walk of Enoch, where I know God and walk with him, then I'll never hear God reveal who he is to me. I'll just be one of the multitude that just experiences God but never comes to know Him. But see, after the multitude, there's more because out of the multitude came the 70. Think about that. What about the 70? They are partakers of all of the above. But now they are exposed to a whole new level of relationship. You know, in Numbers chapter 11, Moses is doing all this stuff. And the Lord says, hey, call you out 70 elders uh, out, of, out of the camp. He gets these guys. He says, I'm going to take of your spirit and I'm going to put it on them. And, and God took the, the same anointing that was on Moses and placed it upon the 70 elders. And they begin to prophesy and they begin to minister and help carry that burden with Moses. And that's what Jesus did with the 70 in Luke. Luke chapter 10, you can read it, and said, then he called to himself 70 others, and he gave them power and authority, and he sent them out to preach. So think about this. The multitudes partake of all of the blessing, and all the experience of the 70 partake of all the experience of the multitude, but now they are exposed to a new level of relationship. They are entrusted with power and responsibility. They now see God not only working for them, but also working through them. See, the multitude never experiences God working through them. The 70 begin to enter in that first phase. Where, where, whoa, God wants to work through my life. And they come back telling Jesus, wow, even demons are subject to us. We laid hands on the sick and even demons obeyed us by the authority of your name. And so this whole new experience comes when you just begin to press out of being conformed to this culture. Come on, don't get lost in the crowd. Walk with God. Hallelujah. Then, out of the 70, after that, there's more. There's more than just being part of the 70. That's cool. Well, why stop there with just being one of the 70? We could move out of the multitude into the 70. That's one level. But the next level, think about this. After the 70 comes the 12. 
What about the 12? You know what? In Numbers 13, there were 12 who were called out to go spy the land. A leader from every tribe was called out. Go spy out the land. And God covered them, protected them. They were able to go into the enemy's camp, look all around, bring everything out, and give the report of the goodness of what God had prepared for his people. They were given a whole other level of responsibility and accountability. And with the apostles, that's what Jesus did. He took them to a whole other level. We said that he called them to himself, and he gave them power and authority, and he personally chose them. And that's where God, our relationship gets, goes to a more personal level. Each one of these, we start moving deeper into a personal relationship with God. And that's God's will for your life, for my life, is that we would just be uh, uh, open to be drawn by Him, by the Spirit, into this amazing personal relationship with Him, knowing His universal presence and walking with Him daily in our life. So think about the twelves. What happens with them? They're partakers of everything the seventy partake of, everything the multitudes partake of, but they realize that they have received a specific call and have specific purpose. See, the multitudes, God began to give a specific purpose to the apostles for this reason. Calling and appointing, called and appointing, called and appointing. God has a calling for your life. He has an appointment for our life. And that's one thing about this whole situation that should stir us up. God, I want to fulfill my call. I, I want to do what you've appointed me to do. Praise the Lord. And so there's calling and specific purpose. Thirdly, they become aware that their relationship is more intimate and personal than that of the multitude or even the 70. Or what God's revealing to them is on a more intimate level than the other two, than the 70 are receiving or even the, the multitudes are receiving. So Jesus would go away and he would take the, <coughs> excuse me, take the 12 and, and that with him and separate apart from even the 70. And so they're moving into a more intimate relationship. Think about this. They have privilege. They have access. They have power and accountability not granted to others. See, they're brought into that relationship of privilege. They're given power, access, and accountability that hasn't been granted to the multitude or to the 70. But you know what? There's more. There's more. Because out of the 12 came the three. Out of the 12 came the three. Who are the three? Exodus 24 Moses goes up on the mountain. God calls him up. I'll turn and read it to you. Exodus 24. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. So Moses, you come up and then you bring these three and they come up with you to the Lord on the mountain. And he says, and then the 70 elders are to worship from afar. But, but these other three, you're going to come up into my presence. And these other three are going to come up with you. You know, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, he took with him Peter, James, and John. And that's where they saw Jesus transfigured and, and, and glorified before them. And they didn't know what to understand. And then they kept it quiet, as Jesus said, until after the resurrection but then also, when Jesus went to Jairus' house and he got there and all the mourners were there, it says that he went into the room where, the, where Jairus' daughter was laying there and he took everybody out and he took into that room with him Peter, James, and John. 
He took three into that inner chamber with him, into that intimate moment of raising that young girl from there. There, there, there were three men that he wanted to see that personally. And that. And there's that thing that, see, see, we think that these are special people. I'm trying to tell you tonight that you can have a desire. You get to choose, my friend. You're going to make the choice whether you're just going to be one in a multitude or whether you're content with the promotion to 70. Oh, wouldn't it be cool to be 12? Well, but if I could be one of the three, what if I could be in that intimate, close, personal circle? You see, the three... <clears throat> they too are partakers of all of the above. Everything the multitude partook of, they did. Everything the 70 got to partake of, they experienced too. They were part of the 12. They're part of all of that. But on top of that, they are now seeing and hearing what no one else has ever seen or heard before. Nobody's ever seen a little girl raised from the dead. Daughter, I say to you, arise. They're seeing that, that first resurrection. They're seeing that. Nobody's ever seen. Nobody but those three saw Jesus transfigured on that mount, saw his glory. This is no longer just delegation of responsibility, power, and authority. This isn't just disseminating job titles and descriptions and tasks. This is something deeper. This is now beyond what they could have comprehended as even possible. But you know what? There's more. There's more than just being one of the three. What's more is what God has really been looking for and what He desires through every one of our lives. Go with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, and beginning in verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the temple that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Oh, my goodness. And, the, and the peop, all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent. Verse 11. Watch this. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Do you know what Jesus said? He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that, that, that this glorious gospel is being revealed to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you know you can actually have FaceTime with God? Not just on your phone. We think, oh man, it's cool. We can FaceTime. When's the last time you had some FaceTime with the Lord? Hallelujah. So watch it. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Joshua is an interesting character because he never left the presence of Moses. He never left his side. He just stayed there and served him. Joshua had a hunger and a passion for God. 
And even though he could have been in the camp, he didn't have any assigned duty. He refused to leave that presence. Kind of like Elisha with Elijah after serving him for those 20 years. And Elijah said, hey, Elisha, just stay here, you know, and it'll all be good for you and da, da, da. And he said, but if you see me, you know, ask for me what you want. I'm going to be taken up. Ask what you want. And so when he asked, and then he refused to be put off. He just kept pressing. He chose to be one. Not to be part of a crowd, not to be part of the school of the prophet, not to be part of any of that. He wanted just to be one with God. That was Joshua's heart. That needs to be our heart. We can press in. You know, also in Numbers chapter 12, if you want to turn over there, there's another account where Miriam and Aram getting all puffed up and they think Moses has too great of a relationship with God or takes too much upon himself. And uh, verse 4, so suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and, and Miriam, come out you three to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. And verse 5, then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark saying. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Let me just give you this encouragement right here. Look at what God is doing. People were rising up against him, even his family member, being jealous, can be together. And look what the Lord said. The Lord rises up in his defense. When you desire to press in to the relationship of one with the greater one, one with God, even God will rise up. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to fight for your own. God will rise up in your defense. Hallelujah. God is so good. We're called into that place praise the lord paul tells us in first corinthians second corinthians chapter 12 that he was one caught up into the heavens and received revelations from god god wants to reveal himself to you listen to what jesus said about the holy spirit he's coming i'm sending you the promise of the father he is coming and he's going to show you everything that the father has given to me he's going to reveal everything to you but he doesn't reveal it just to the multitude he doesn't reveal it to the 70 he doesn't reveal it to the 12 or even the three completely he reveals it to the one who desires to be one with him and walk with him and i believe through all this situation with all this virus and everything else going on i believe god's people are coming back to a place where they want to be one with their god they want to walk with god they want to know their god and they want to see god do great and mighty things through their lives i believe that's who we are i believe that's what god's raising up to be that's the great awakening that i'm believing god for i pray that you would be believing with me in that same way Think about this. See, the one, this is a place that God intended for man from the beginning. He created one man and walked with him. God walked with Adam in the garden. Adam heard the voice of God. You can walk with God. You can hear the voice of God. Enoch walked with God, heard the voice of God. Men and women have walked with God, one-on-one -on -one with God. And out of that relationship, they've been men and women of kingdom exploit. You and I can have that same relationship with him. Praise the Lord. He's still looking and calling out to his men today to once again 
walk with Him as one. God's calling you, my friend. I don't care how saved you think you are. God's calling you to another level. You might be watching tonight, and you're just happy being one in the multitude. Hey, thank God for the multitude revelation of God, but why not press into the 70? Why not experience some of that power? And, and God not just working for you, but also working through you. And then don't just be content with that. Why not say, hey, God, you did it there with the 12. God, I want to know that authority. I want to know that power. I want to have that other level of access and, 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 and authority with you. And then the three, God, I want to press in that place where I'm seeing things and, and, and hearing things that I've never seen and heard before and that others aren't receiving because they're not willing to pay the price to press in. And then just to say, you know what, that's cool, but I think I'll just go all the way to be one and just press in to be one with God, to walk with Him. And maybe like Enoch, I'll walk with God one day and be no more. Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? You see, the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. And that's the amazing thing that you need to understand when it comes to believing God. Somehow we think there's some list of qualifications that God has favorites and he does more for some than he does for others. No, everything. That face-to-face relationship with God is made available to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we, the veil's been torn, the access has been made, and we all now have access to come before the throne of God. You have access to face-to-face conversation with God. Hallelujah. So here's the key. There's still more after the one. Because out of the relationship of one comes the demonstration and power. See, when God gets people to come into that relationship, that's when we see the breakthrough of revival and the demonstration of his power into the earth. You see, today, too many are willing to just be one in the crowd of the multitude rather than pay the price to become one of the multitude of ones. That great cloud of witnesses is a multitude of ones. You read Hebrews chapter 11. And it talks about one person at a time. The multitude of ones who walk with God were aware of his presence and did exploits for him. God working in them and working through them for his glory. And then them receiving the reward of walking with their God. Man, it is so good. I hope this is blessing you tonight. So here's my challenge to you. Keep moving. Keep pressing into a relationship with the Lord. Don't be satisfied as one in the multitude. Don't be satisfied as one of 70, one of 12, one of three. Desire to be one of the ones. Hallelujah. Father, tonight I pray for your people. Lord, I pray right now that your word would take root in each and every one of their lives. Father, I pray tonight that just the cloud that's been around all of this situation would be broken and lifted in the name of Jesus. Father, I come against any spirit of depression, discouragement, anxiety, worry, stress. Father, I break that right now over their lives in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare that you are mighty and that through you and through the knowledge of you, you said that your people would be able to do exploit. So, Father, we thank you, God, that you are 
are raising up men and women who are coming out of this situation. Lord, I declare that this is a great awakening that is coming to pass, that the church, the body of Christ, is going to rise up. Father, that people are not going to be content to go back to the old normal. And Father, the new normal is not going to be what the world is talking about. The new normal is going to be people who desire to be one of the multitude of ones. One of those who says, I want to be aware and live in the continual awareness of the universal presence of God. I want to be one of the ones that knows what it means to walk with God, to have fellowship with God, to hear His voice, to not to need a demonstration of some magnitude of power where God has to prove to me that He's God, but I'm able to hear Him whisper quietly and give me direction and clarity for my life. I want to be one of the ones that is having things revealed and shown to them that have not been seen before. Father, I want to be one of the ones, Lord, I pray this is the heart for everyone this evening, that they would desire to be one of the ones that is not lost in the crowd, but is walking with their God. And that, Father, we would come out into a day of demonstration and power and multitude would be brought into the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that old, dry, stale, crusty religion and just complacency would be broken off the body of Christ. And, Father, a new fire would be set on the inside of them. And, God, that by your Spirit flowing through your people, God, revival would come to our nation. Revival would come to our county. Revival would begin to sweep across. Father, we will no longer take for granted things that we thought would never change. But, Father, we will value, we will treasure, and we will build like never before to see your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Eli and I are fired up, so I hope you're doing all right. Praise the Lord. Hey, we love you. Um, we're sending out an email tonight, and I'm just going to close by giving you this little update right here. And that this morning, when I said this was an exciting day, this morning I was on a conference call, a Zoom call, video call with uh, three officials from our, from our county, our vice mayor, a board of supervisor, a person from the board of superv supervisors, and uh, our county health office official. And uh, on how to get all of our churches in El Dorado County united. And we had over 70 church leaders across the whole western slope. Over 70 pastors and church leaders collectively together on this call with our county official. And for the first time that I can remember, we have government officials trying to work with the church, working with us, helping us, coming alongside to help us get the doors of our church open. And I know we had service last Sunday and we opened up on Mother's Day, but I want you to hear me tonight. We are more than just one congregation. And this thing is more than just about us and our individual wants, desires, and needs. And you're going to read a statement in uh, the email that's being sent out tonight is that we can live bigger than that. We need to live bigger in this season than just what we want. I want, I miss, I need, I desire. We, we need to get out of I, and we need to think more on the level. I've never seen, for years I've, I've had people ask me, when is the church going to come together? When are we going to see unity amongst the body of Christ? I've never seen or heard every church on this call is on board for what we're working towards doing. And what is happening is we're trying to get and come together and promote that El Dorado County would be allowed that, to bring all of our churches, but not just our churches. 
I want our church to open, but I'm not just singularly focused on our church. We opened the Lord's Gym because we had to open it to survive. We had to go against the norm in order to financially survive or to ever open our doors again. Do you know there are small businesses, and they're even being told, some of our beauticians, some of our restauranteurs and other places in that, and small business and areas are being told they can't open yet for several more months. These people are going to lose their whole life and their livelihood. So part of what we're doing is not just for us to be able to have church, but it's for every person to be able to have their life back. So for that reason, we're collectively coming together. The county officials are helping us to be able to come together to write a proposal of all of our churches that we will all sign off on. And uh, there were 49 churches, I think, on board there, plus leaders and staff in those churches that were on that call, and plus the government officials there. And they're helping us do the language to get it to have all the right political context to it so it's the most effective that we can make it and present on behalf of all of our churches to move us out of stage three into stage two so we can open the doors of our churches. And what's so exciting that our county health official is trying to get it not just to a limit of, of 50 or or something like that, but to a limit of up to 200 so that almost every church in the county that you could afford, up to amount that you can accommodate and fit to, to fill to capacity as much as we can and be in compliance with all of the re- things that are there. Because what we do notoriously, church, we, we can do it one or two ways. We can take a stand, this is my right, this is my constitutional right, and we can fight for me or we can fight for the freedom of everyone. And so to take a choice in doing that after that call, I counseled Pastor Tim and I would talk. I've talked to some others. I've talked personally with some other pastors today. And uh, so I just felt the leading of the Lord. So coming this Sunday, we're just going to go back to live stream for a few more weeks. So we're asking you to be patient, to be supportive, to be prayerful for us. We want to do this thing right. And we want to believe God for a breakthrough. We believe we can set an example that won't just help our county, that won't just help our church, but God can use us to be a part of something that maybe might open the doors for churches and help in ways all across our state. Praise the Lord. So we love you. We thank you so much. Please understand our heart. Nobody wants our church open more than me. And to have to do this and and to have last Sunday and then go back to just me and this uh, one-eyed bandit standing out here staring me in the face. And Eli, so I got three eyes on me, praise the Lord. But anyway, from that standpoint, I loved having it. I miss everybody dearly. And we'll be sending some information out. We want to start up our life groups again. So if our host homes are are comfortable in having that, then invite your families back into your home. We're going to have ours next week. So... uh, Please uh, hang with us, pray with us, support us. Let's believe God for a great awakening. Hallelujah. We love you. God bless you. And we will see you Sunday morning. Amen. God bless you.